0: That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA Inc. Investment advice through Lewis Financial
1: Management. SFA Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 30 years. And we are the Lewis family here tonight to answer all of your questions. Financial freedom from our family to your family. Call us tonight. I'm Doug Lewis, certified financial
2: planner. I'm Linda Lewis. Welcome. I'm Deborah Lewis, certified
3: financial planner. You're listening to the Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF.
1: I was so pleased this last week to find out that one of our listeners told us that he was listening to us in Cancun, Mexico. Yeah. That <laughs> wasn't was p-
3: that awesome?
1: <laughs> that was wonderful. That was really good. I'm glad that people in Cancun can enjoy Money Matters with the Lewis family. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Now, it's funny, though. um, There was a lot of volatility. So we had a lot of calls this week, um, but not in the kind of calls that I'm sure people are expecting me to say. There were no panic calls this week.
1: Yeah, it was a strange week in a a, a sense, because on Monday, it's definitely going to be remembered by a lot of people as the day that the Dow Jones dropped more than a thousand points. And yet it was only the next week, the next day, rather, on Tuesday, where we had this huge run-up followed by another huge run-up and at the last minute dropping off and the week continued like that to where really it's been a crazy week of volatility, not too much different from where we started, but this is the way that it's going to continue, in my opinion, all the way up until the election and so we have 14 months in front of us of this kind of crazy volatility.
2: Well, that's good to know. Now, I guess... People might be asking themselves, you know, what shouldn't they do now in this type of environment? Are there certain things that we can rely on as good tips or feedback from you, Doug?
1: Well, yeah, because, you know, stocks did slump worldwide throughout the week. Both U.S. and European markets off more than 5 percent. Even the Shanghai Composite Index losing more than 11 percent and oil prices dropping more than 6 percent. And yet, there was a day that the oil was up over
2: 10%. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Traders
1: feared during the week that slowing growth in China and the devaluation of the Chinese currency and the overhang of too much debt in the U.S. could stifle global economic recovery. But I would say there are certain things that you should know about how not to react. And the first one is do not fixate on the news. Just don't do it. The more often you update yourself on the market's fluctuations, the more volatile and risky it's going to appear to you, even though short, sharp declines of 5%, 25% are still common.
2: Yeah, the U.S. stock market has in the past few years been extraordinarily placid by historical standards. Even the sudden drops of the past few days are well within the long-term norm. So fixating on fluctuations in the short term will make it harder for you to remain focused on the long-term investing goals.
3: All right, another thing that you should remember in this volatile time is don't panic.
1: Right, Doug? That's right. It's just noise. A little bit louder than normal noise, but it's just noise. While stocks are certainly not cheap, they aren't wildly overpriced, at least not given today's level of interest, interest rates, inflation. U.S. stocks are trading within reason. That's an absolute, and a lot of people feel that way, so do not panic. It's just noise.
2: Another idea is, or another thought is to not be complacent. You should use the latest turbulence as a pretext to ask yourself honestly whether you are prepared to withstand a much more worse decline. Did you make it through the epic bear market of 2007 to 2009 without selling all your stocks? Are you extremely well diversified with plenty of cash with large or, and small stocks from markets around the world? Are you diversified? then you can probably weather a further decline. But if you freaked out, panicked, sold in the earlier bear market, or you are heavily concentrated in a few stocks or sectors now, you should consider seeing a certified financial planner. This is the time.
1: This is the time. You need to have, number one, well, you need to have a certified financial planner that you trust. That's first of all. Number two, your planner has to have a plan a plan that will keep you ironclad, focused on your goals, and moving in a direction so that you're not whipsawed by all of the uh, the crazy news, the emotions that happen inside of you and outside of you. Just uh, you need to have a planner and a plan. Absolutely.
2: Doug, what does the word correction mean? And, and and is it real? I mean, this fear that there might be another correction.
1: Well, you know, correction is typically defined as a decline in the price of 10%, uh, but it doesn't have any official status. There really isn't any official uh, term correction. Until fairly recently, declines of 5%, even 15% or 20% were often called corrections. But That that sort of doesn't matter. What matters is the outlook for the future. And that does not depend on whether the market is down 10.2% or 9.8%. Don't get hung up on this talk about a correction.
2: Okay. Well, I guess I uh, would ask you, what's your last piece of advice about listening to other people's opinions?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't think anyone knows what's going to happen next. Nobody knows what's going to happen next after a market drop, or at any other time. No one knows what the market will do next. Diversification, patience, above all, self-knowledge. These are your best weapons against this irreducible uncertainty. And most importantly, meet with a certified financial planner like myself, Doug Lewis, my daughter, Deborah, Deborah Lewis, because we can keep you on the right track. We've been doing it for over 30 years, and... You have to remember, your money matters because your financial future is at stake.
2: Absolutely. And not, not making rash decisions when things are up and down is absolute certainty to sticking towards the plan.
4: If the markets have you worried about your money, call the Lewis family right now on Money Matters. The number is 919-860-9783. We're here until 7 p.m. tonight, every Sunday night. Call us right now, 919 919-
3: And if the market highs and lows have got you really thinking about financial planning and where you're at with your financial planning issues, call us at Lewis Financial Management. We'll be happy to get your name and your number and your information. And we'll set up an appointment to meet with you to... Bring comfort to all of your concerns. That number in Raleigh is 919 That's 919-USA-7000.
2: You know, Linda, the world of retirement planning is a broad topic, and some investors concentrate on their retirement nest egg number. You know, what what number do I need? What's my magic number? And when they focus on that, sometimes they end up feeling like that's just unattainable. So I thought I would bring up some things that instead are a more constructive focus on the dollar amount uh, that you can afford to save each year versus what the retirement number is. It's really true. A lot
3: of folks focus on that magical nest egg number, a six or a seven figure magic number that seems unattainable. But instead, people who are Using online retirement calculators try to estimate how much they're going to need to retire, but the big numbers that they generate
2: can tempt some of them to just throw in the towel. Give up, not even do anything, and how bad is that? That's the worst move is to be, um, I guess, immobilized by just the, the, the fear of trying to ever reach that goal. And each person needs to
3: realize that they are more than a number because each situation is unique. And retirement saving isn't a one-size-fits-all proposition. Everybody's income varies widely, and family situations differ. Lifestyle choices also make a difference, such as what is the cost of living in the area where you live or where you intend to retire? And what's your decision about working during retirement and whether or not you should downsize
2: your home? Yeah, your current health, post-retirement health insurance, as well as your life expectancy, all of these factor into your retirement planning. The availability of retirement saving vehicles and their features also play a big role. For example, some firms offer a traditional employer-funded pension. Not many of those left, but some do. Some offer a 401k, and others offer a 403b. Now, the benefit of those types of plans when it's available is the match. If you are able to match, be matched by your employer up to a certain limit, then you're fortunate to have this extra money that would be free money you'd be throwing away if you didn't capture it. So all of these elements should be considered when it comes to retirement planning.
3: Well, Deborah, there's some ideas that can help our listeners get past those big numbers, and put them on track to saving as much as you poss- possibly can. And the first, big, uh, the first issue is tackle the big question. How much should I save? For some folks, it's a tricky question. But the simple answer is save as much as you can afford to save.
2: Right. It sounds oversimplistic, but it really is. Once you get rid of the amount of money that you need to cover your monthly living expenses, everything left over can be saved. One rule of thumb is that you should set aside at least 10 to 15 percent of your income each year. How we like to approach it at Lewis Financial Management is once you've made your money, once you have made enough money to cover the living expenses, or you have enough money that has come in to cover the living expenses, everything that's left over can be applied towards a monthly, quote-unquote, pay-yourself-first plan, a way to really tackle that question of how much can I afford to save? Well, as much as left over. And uh, as you said earlier, with some folks,
3: their employer offers a match. Well, if they do offer a match then you'll want to take full advantage and contribute enough to get the maximum match. But if you don't, you'll be passing up free money. For example, if your firm offers a 50-cent match for every dollar that you, you contribute up to the first 6% of your contributions, then you'll want to put at least
2: 6% into your plan. And we usually say, stop there. Um, um, and, and each person's situation is different. But yeah, you, want, you don't want to leave that free money on the table. Another part of the whole investment portfolio though is what's outside the retirement accounts. So you need to increase your investments that are outside retirement accounts. Periodically reassess your ability to contribute to and to contribute more to these accounts that are outside retirement plans. A painless way to increase your savings and investing is to link them to your pay raises. So think of it like this. When you receive a raise, earmark a portion towards your investment plan. You boost your investments without making a dent in your wallet. And it's a real nice way to put your pay raise to work for you. Another point to consider is the fact that
3: your contributions come out of your paycheck on a pre-tax basis. Unless, of course, you're in a Roth IRA. Now, Deborah, what other idea is control what you can control? What are your thoughts on that, Linda? Well, you can't control control the movements of the financial markets as we've seen this very week, but there are many elements in life that one can control, and the first step is making the decision to invest early in life. So if you're a listener and you've just graduated from college or you've just started. You know, your new job in the last five years, start now, start early, start a pay yourself first plan. Call us at Lewis Financial Management. We can set up an appointment and uh, have you, you know, and help you set you. that up. That's right. Exactly.
2: Yeah, when investing over the course of years and decades, the power of time can be significant. Even if you're in your 50s, you still have a decade or more of working and investing years ahead of you. So, Another thing to always consider is you'll need a professional, someone to help you, someone to advise you. And that's what a certified financial planner can do. We've been doing that for over 32 years. um, And we are Lewis Financial Management. We're in Midtown Raleigh. And um, give us a call tonight and uh, we'll help you talk about your situation and see if we can't answer your questions tonight. Call us Terry, this
1: Lewis. is Doug uh, Lewis, certified financial planner. How can I help you?
5: I was interested in finding out what you think about if you had several different retirement accounts, combining them all together and turning them over to companies that manage retirement investments or any kind of investments for you. Of course, they do it for a fee, and I just don't know anything about it, but it's been suggested to me that that's what I ought to do.
1: How old are you, Terry? I'm 46. You married a single? Married. And uh, how old your husband? 47. What's your income?
5: About a hundred thousand.
1: All right, and what's his income?
5: Oh no, together. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, that's combined income. Yes. Okay, combined income about a hundred thousand. Uh, do you know what your expenses are? Your living expenses are running.
5: They're probably running about eighty to ninety.
1: All right, so you're spending most of what you're. Well, matter of fact, that doesn't even leave enough to pay for taxes.
5: Well, just enough to pay for taxes, and we have a retirement account that right. was funded through our business.
1: Do you own your own business? We have our own corporation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Small business. All right. So now, what type of retirement plan do you have right now?
5: SEP IRAs in mm-hmm. about six or eight different ones.
1: You've got six or eight SEPs. Mm-hmm. And what's the combined value of all of them?
5: Probably about 125000
1: 125000 Have you been able to fund it to the max in the past years? Yes. What types of SEP IRA investments is it in now?
5: It's in mutual funds.
1: Individual mutual funds?
5: Individual mutual funds.
1: So you have a SEP account with one mutual fund and a SEP account with another mutual fund. Is is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. All right. And you also have both SEPs because you have one for you and one for your husband? That is correct. All right. Are you both employees or is one the... We are both employees. All right. What about the other employees? The business does it for them. The All business right. does it for everybody. Okay. Now, you and your husband, then, you cannot combine your SEP IRA accounts with his.
5: No, that is correct. Oh, 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 I understand that. Yeah, I understand
1: that. All right. But, I
5: mean, like I could combine my six or eight and his six or eight can be combined.
1: Yes. About how much is in yours and how much is in his?
5: Oh, I'd say the difference, probably 80 and 40. A- 85 and 40, something like that.
1: All right. About 85 is is his and about 40 is yours? Right. Okay. First of all, your money should be rolled over and combined, yes, into one SEP IRA account. He should have his 85000 with one trustee, and you should have your 40000 with another trustee. Okay. That does not necessarily mean, however, that you should give up mutual funds and give it to a money manager. Right. The problem gets bigger and bigger as the years go on about keeping the record keeping. So right. You want the trustee to be one where you're getting one consolidated statement, especially when you start wanting to go ahead and make withdrawals. Also, to move money. If you were to move it from one trustee to another trustee, you have to do a trustee-to-trustee transfer. And you can do that as many times as you want during the year, but they usually surrender penalties to come away from one trustee to another. So, you, yes, you should be in one trustee.
5: But this thing about putting all your eggs in one basket, if you put it all with that particular fund...
1: I'm not recommending. I definitely don't think you should do that. Okay. You should never have all of your money in any one fund. You need an asset allocation pattern. But what I'm trying to explain to you is don't confuse the chicken house with the chicken. You just asked me, should all of your chickens be in one chicken house? The answer is yes. Okay. But you don't want to have one big giant fat chicken and a bunch of little tiny chickens. You want all your chickens to be relatively the same size. Right. Your chickens are the investments. So if he's got $85,000... And this year he's gonna put in another twenty two five, that's gonna be a hundred thousand dollars. I'd maybe have that spread over five twenties or four twenty fives. You see, see what I mean? So your chicken house is like your trustee. Right. So you
3: would have one trustee instead of having six or eight trustees, right? Right. And there are such animals out there yeah, as, they, as independent trust companies. Yeah. They could
1: also, that's a very good point, Linda. She could have an independent trust company. Hers is small enough to where she might go with one custodial. It's a $10 fee instead of $40. Right, right. Going to an independent trust company will let you go across different families of funds and still have it with one trustee. Right, okay.
5: okay.
1: But I don't think you should go into a money manager's hands. I think that you should stay with the mutual funds, but you should have an asset allocation pattern. You should check, you should select the mutual funds with the help of a financial planner. You should develop an asset allocation pattern saying how much money should be equally spread amongst different investments so you don't have all your eggs in any one basket.
3: Right. Okay. And if we can be of any assistance, you can call me at the office in Raleigh. That number is 919 That's USA 7000. All right, then. Well, I thank you very much. Well, you're
5: well, thank sure you for welcome. calling,
3: Terry.
4: If the conversation with Terry has sparked a question in your mind, call the show right now 919-860-9783. This is Money Matters on with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF.
1: You know, every year many Americans set financial goals, but far fewer of them actually achieve those goals. And there are a few guidelines uh that I think are important. Because we're about, we're past the midway point right now. Exactly. So you need to make sure that you've set specific goals, regardless of how big or how small they are, then figure out how you can adjust your spending habits to ensure that you achieve those goals. Where can you cut back, for example, whether it's cable fees, gym memberships, that extra pair of shoes, keep track of all your expenses and how much you're spending and have left over to spend and then you need to reevaluate how much that you're saving and then increase that amount. Even if it's only by 1%, just increase it. Time and the power of compounding are your greatest allies. And that's, uh, that's absolute. So the ability to compound through the years becomes important. Another thing to realize is to look at that emergency fund cash account that you've got. Create one if you don't have one. Don't have it too big, but you should have something set aside as an emergency fund. That might have been one of your goals. If you haven't got it, make sure you get it. And then lastly, I would say update. Update and organize your financial documents. But before you take this step, shred outdated documents that you no longer need. If you've recently experienced maybe a major life change, many of our clients have gone through that recently. The The birth birth of of a a child. child. Right. Or a marriage. Or a death. Review all of the uh, documents, insurance, estate documents, update your retirement accounts and IRA beneficiary forms. All of those are part of what we do at Lewis Financial Management for all of our clients on a regular basis. And I would say the best thing you could probably do is call us. Call us at Lewis Financial Management. We're in Midtown, Raleigh. You'll be glad you did. We've been doing this for over 32 years. Excellence in financial planning is what our goal is. Our number, of course, at the office is 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Don't forget to go to our website. Our website is DougAndLinda.com. DougAndLinda.com. And right now, call us at the station, 919-860-9783.
3: And congratulations to all of our new parents that are listeners, and also to all the newlyweds. And if you have had a death in the family, our condolences. Um, These are definitely life changes, whether you're young or whether you're older. And for each one of these situations, you may
2: have some questions. Right, Doug? Right, Debs? Yeah. You know, I would say the most common question I get from people who are on the early side of retirement planning and financial planning is, is it okay if I just come in, bring my stuff, and you tell me where I am in getting started. Mm -hmm. I hear that a lot. How do I get started? What should my goal be? Where could I be in one year and in five years? They're not really looking 30 and 40 years down the line. They just wanna know how to get started, how to be um, as effective as they can, no matter what their income level is, no matter what their situation is. And everybody knows that if you go in with a plan, you're gonna get further. It's kinda like having a map. If you meander there, The point between A and B is going to be a lot longer. If you know with a map or with directions how to get from A to B, you'll get there in a shorter amount of time. It's just a much more effective way to make these little life decisions, whether you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. You know, the people who are just starting to get serious about this, they want to know, what should I do as a mid-year review? Deborah, can we come in? Can we talk about what we need to do to get started? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. This is what we love to do. Yeah, another thing that often comes up is in regard to um, rollovers, Roth IRAs. I would say IRA accounts and IRA planning is probably one of the biggest topics that we We definitely read a lot about. Doug, there was an interesting article in the uh, Wall Street Journal recently. It was a question and answer session. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
1: Well, I think it was the one where he said, my wife and I are retired in our 70s, have several Roth IRAs that we won't need during our lives. They're going to be left to our two daughters who will have to withdraw the money over their life expectancy. And the daughters also have Roth IRAs that my wife and I have been funding by selling investments and paying taxes. So he said he's decided to take money out of his IRAs instead of selling investments to fund their IRAs. His logic was that I'll reduce my tax burden and they can let their Roth IRAs grow until their deaths and then their children can start withdrawing money over their lifetimes and I think he wanted just an opinion about, was there anything wrong with this strategy? Yes, sir. That's the one. Uh, I thought there was a lot wrong with this strategy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Which is why I liked asking yeah. you the question. <laughs> well, I really did because,
1: uh, you know, I've been doing this so long that I realize that parents so often look at the numbers and think that their children are going to see life through the same set of uh, glasses that the parents do. But that's not the case. And in this case here, he's planning for the rest of his children's life. Now, of course, I didn't find out whether his estate was large enough to worry about estate taxes, but I doubt if it was over $10.5 million. And the fact that I'm guessing it was not over $10.5 million, then he's going down the wrong road. What he should do is take the money out of the Roths because he can do that tax-free now, and then leave it invested in his own personal accounts, tax oil accounts. Yes, they are. But then when he and his wife die, the children get the step-up in basis. Right. They can sell them tax-free and start all over again right. without any tax. <laughs> so uh, I think that was really my advice to this writer, was that he's really trying to do something far too convoluted, which is going to implode, I believe.
3: Keep it si- keep it simple, seniors. <laughs> That's oh, a new that what...
2: version of that kiss statement. All right. <laughs> because, <yeah. laughs>
3: you know, when I read that question, I was like, wow, this is really complicated. And, you know, all good intentions, right? right. His desire to pass on and support his daughters. But I, I appreciate your question simplifying the matter Doug and that's what folks really want to do as they approach uh, approach retirement or get into their senior years is let's well you know simplify
2: for me, the article um, was such a perfect example of someone trying to as you often say perform brain surgery on themselves yes it was not that difficult of a problem to solve how can I best let my children inherit something that will then be most beneficial to them during their life yes and it it got very complicated unnecessarily and sometimes this is going to happen to us if we do anything that's out of our, our area of expertise but when we go to someone like when you come to see us at Lewis Financial Management and you come to see us from a certified financial planner's point of view we might have some simplicity that hasn't even been in your realm of reality yet and it might solve your problem. So if you have a question tonight, give us a call 919-860-9783.
1: I'm reminded of a client recently who passed away and before he passed away, he had accumulated a large uh, IRA and the IRA was uh, quite large. It was close to a million dollars and he had no wife so that his children would be the beneficiaries. Well, when I took a look at how much the taxes were going to be, I saw over $400,000 for the children to, uh, to receive it. So meeting with the children and meeting with my client before he passed away, we came up, like you say, Deborah, with a very simple solution to where there was basically zero tax by creating a children's trust, then by moving the entire IRA into this children's trust as a conduit IRA with a stretch provision, it was beautiful. Now,
2: it's funny because you took a, a problem that... Could be solved simply, but you used a lot of words that maybe people aren't familiar with. And this is what the financial planner is able to do, is to take the scenario, simplify it, reduce it down to how it best meets the client's need, the individual need. And here the individual need was to pass on as much wealth as possible. And And you
1: have to know the both generations, both generations is exactly what was happening in this particular case and we had it all worked out so uh, the potential lemon became lemonade and everybody was happy and is happy
4: that's right you can call the show right now 919-860-9783 that's right your ticket to money matters with the lewis family is just picking up your phone and dialing 919-860-9783
3: all right doug let's take another call
1: John, this is Doug Lewis. with Money Matters. How can I help you this evening?
6: Uh, yes, Doug. I had a question for you. My wife and I are going through uh, refinancing our mortgage now, uh, and the question that I have is: is we're going looking at the options of going from a thirty to a fifteen-year type arrangement, mm-hmm. uh, comparing that to say the additional amount that. Well, the situation is that we don't our our new mortgage is only available in a thirty. We're going with a five twenty-five plan. Right. Uh, and we're comparing whether or not to pay the additional amount to say pay it a 15-year amortization versus putting that additional money into some other type of uh, investment.
1: How old are you, John?
6: I'm uh, 28.
1: 28 years old. Are you, are you employed? Sure. What's your income?
6: Uh, around uh, 45. 45 thousand.
1: Your wife's income? Is she working? Yes. What's her income? Uh, around 30. 30 thousand. Combined family income about 75 thousand. Any children at home? Uh, none yet. No children. What we call financial planning for Dinks. Dual income, no kids. Dinks. That's right. I uh, living expenses should be able to live on actually probably one of the one of the incomes.
6: Right. Would hope so.
1: <laughs> that sounds good. That means you. All right. Now, what you've just basically asked, and what's the size of the mortgage?
6: Well, one other thing I'd like to, to say is that the the house that we're in now, we're you know would like to well uh, you know optimistically or. We're looking in five years or less to move out of this house into a larger house. So we're we're taking a short term view versus they keeping this house and paying it off. So that we definitely know that we will be moving out within four to five year time frame.
1: All right. Uh, how big is the mortgage?
6: Uh it's let's see, uh, the de-
1: The amount of the that you want to borrow. Uh,
6: around one hundred and five. One
1: hundred and five thousand dollars. What's the value of the house? Uh, $130,000. one
6: hundred and thirty thousand. One hundred
1: and thirty thousand. And what is the delta, the difference between the thirty year and the fifteen year payment?
6: Uh, around, if I recall, about two hundred and fifty dollars. Two
1: hundred and fifty dollars extra a month. Right. That's that's the- that's right, that's on the five twenty five on the thirty year versus the fifteen year fixed.
6: Uh right, right.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. The okay. question is in five years, can you invest two hundred and fifty dollars a month and accumulate more? than the interest rate on your loan. If you can't do that with your eyes shut, something's wrong. Right.
6: right. Something's
1: wrong. Uh, If I could have, I would have had you even be in lower. And because you tell me that you're leaving in five years, see with a 2% annual cap, you could actually be even getting, be getting any better, a better return. But yeah, you'll accumulate more. Any decent mutual fund is going to go ahead and get more than 5% for you over the next five years. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You'll accumulate far more this way. That's, Pretty much what I've been, I guess. Yeah. Now the yeah. whole trick to this thing is that money better be invested in a pay yourself first plan at the beginning of every month. You'll right. feel very, you'll feel like a real fool if five years from now that money is not sitting somewhere having accumulated.
6: Right. I, I guess what from everyone that I've kind of, you know, just around work and whatnot, I'm knocking it around with different people is that do you want to accept that risk? You know, whereas if you're putting it into your house, or that you're not making really anything other than what your interest rate of your mortgage is, you know that you'll get that money out when you sell the
1: house. Yeah. Unfortunately, you're listening to this, the, the, these people who are your new financial planners, and they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> right. In my opinion, they don't. Right. Okay. Yeah, you need to go ahead and select a good mutual fund, work with a certified financial planner to help get a, a mutual fund that will, that will accomplish your objectives, and then go ahead and have that money drafted at the beginning of every month, and you'll be tickled pink five years from now. Right.
3: If you would like some more information on this, I'll be happy to either send you some information or discuss it with you further. And you can call me at the office, and the number is eight seven two seven thousand. That's USA seven thousand. And I'll be happy to do what I can to answer your questions.
1: Okay, thank Appreciate you for you calling, John. Uh-huh.
3: bye bye. Well, Doug, Deborah, it is always good when folks um, ask questions about what is the best
2: way to get a mortgage. Absolutely. Right. It turns out that, you know, no matter what the thing is that you're having a a consideration about whether or not to buy, especially on a monthly basis, but it really always comes back to, well, as long as you are doing some investing in a way that we call it our office, pay yourself first. At the beginning of the month, you won't feel like a fool at the end. You, you'll understand that it paid off because five years later, 10 years later... John will have what he, has, he, he, what he gave up and what he has made more in, in investing that 250 every month. Exactly. I agree. And that's you. how we accumulate is on a monthly basis. It's, it's the beginning of the month. It's, it's knowing that I'm going to spend what's left over. And the better you get at that, the more you can set aside a month.
3: Well, we're dealing with uh, life issues. And then there's also issues regarding the end of life.
2: Oh yes! Did you
3: see that very very interesting article about Tom Clancy's widow? Who? Well, you know, it had a problem. Brings up the whole thing about estate
2: estate planning. It's not really well. Well, Doug, what's your take on it? Well, I'm thinking of that 401k. uh,
1: As you said, Deborah, the gentleman who wanted to, I know it was the uh, Roth IRA, and he wanted to do what was the phrase you used? Brain, brain surgery, surgery himself. on himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I was thinking about uh, the whole story of Tom Clancy and his estate recently. Of course, as certified financial planners, we do much more than just investing at Lewis Financial Management. We've been doing this for over 30-some years. We know that financial planning Of course, it it involves investments. Yes, it does. And we have done much, much of the investing world for all these years. But it also includes the estate planning. That's right. And uh, Tom Clancy's situation is a classic case of what can go wrong.
2: Well, let me just catch up, just in case any of our listeners don't know. He died in 2013. And when he died, he died as a very wealthy man. Of course, he's the author, the very popular author. And when he died, he was married to a second wife, and had a second family, one child from that union. So that is sort of the background of this Tom Clancy estate question.
1: Yeah, now, his widow, uh, she scored a victory recently. It was a long, drawn-out battle, and it may still go for, uh, you know, one step further. But the battle was over who's going to pay the estate taxes. His estate was worth $86 million when he died. Of course, most of it is derived from a 12% ownership in the Baltimore Orioles, which he owns, uh, owned. And then uh, the judge ruled in favor of the wife. Now, what happened was that the wife felt she should pay no taxes on the part that she inherited. She inherited two-thirds of his estate and his four adult children from a previous marriage, they were to get the rest of the estate. The question, of course, is who pays the taxes? Now, there was a trust that was set up, and we do these in our office all the time for clients. We set up either a credit shelter trust or a marital trust and so forth. As we all know, or we should know, what you leave to a wife is tax-free what you leave not to a wife is facing taxes so when tom died in 2013 he left his children this other trust and his wife alexandra she received the inheritance which was worth about 57 million he modified his will just before his death to make sure that her inheritance fell completely under what we call the marital deduction in layman's language, means she gets it free, no taxes. But the children disagreed. The children maintained that the tax bill should be split evenly between them and her. They had what was called the children's trust or the family trust, and she had what was called the marital trust, and therein was the big conflict. Well, of course, I... It, the legal fees must, and we don't know how much they were, they must have been extraordinary along the way. But if they had prevailed, then it would have resulted in an equal distribution of $15 million in taxes, seven and a half to the kids, seven and a half to the wife. But he wanted it to be different. Tom Clancy wanted both trust, and he wanted the... Children's wife, Trust. He wanted his wife to not have to pay any taxes. That was his intent. Uh, and it was really, it was a very tricky matter. The judge had to finally go ahead and decide. And, the and of course, he found out in favor of the wife, that the wife doesn't have to go ahead and pay her share of any taxes, which means that there is more taxes due, about $4 million more split amongst the four kids, because she's not involved in it but what i think was intriguing is this case is a compelling example of just how quickly an estate plan can go just go wrong when you're dealing with blended families and the uh the 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 single link between uh the different elements when it's all removed it's it's rarely clear-cut it's and and we see it all the time in our offices so what he should have done and what he didn't do and what we at Lewis Financial Management do do is we make it absolutely clear in all of our estate planning documents that the desires of the the senior, the client, will be clearly written out in the documents so there can never be any conflict there.
2: Well, Doug, you bring up a good point. The The speaker at the point of estate documents is a deceased person. That's right. Who can no longer speak for themselves. That's right. So if you are writing from the grave, you wanna make sure that you have good advisors along the way who can advise you on what you'll want to think about saying from the grave. You
1: know, Deborah, that's a very good point because most people think, well, when I have my will done, that's the lawyer's job and he'll keep working for me after he's done the will. Unfortunately, that's not what happens. The lawyer finishes his estate documents, his wills, his trust. He gets paid for it, and that's the end. On the other hand, we as certified financial planners, we direct the whole uh, um, establishment of of the documents. The attorney produces the documents, but we stay with the client so that when the client passes away, there is someone who knows what his intentions were. We are the... Uh, the advocate of the voice from the grave, as you say,
2: right. And, and and along the way, while the while the client is living, we're reviewing those estate documents. Do they still say what you would want to say from the grave?
1: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And the this constant review.
2: this doesn't apply to, to only multi-million dollar estates. No. This applies to everybody. What do you want to say from the grave? If there, if you are certain that you want your wife to uh, receive in this situation and the children's portion, no matter how big or small the estate would be, you need to make sure those instructions are in the document. That's right.
3: You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us with your questions regarding estate planning, investments. What about your 401K? What about college funding? Whatever the money issues are, we'll be happy to answer your questions. Call us on the open line at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-WPTF.
2: Well, you know, Doug, Linda, there are three keys three crucial concepts that everybody needs to know about in regard to making financial decisions. One is the power of interest compounding. Now, we talk about this all the time. This knowledge is key for saving, borrowing, and investing decisions. It enables us to understand, for example, why it's important to start saving early. We we say that all the time, but really it's this power of compounding interest.
1: Yeah. Now, that's the first. The second is we have to consider how purchasing power changes over time, which brings into play knowledge of inflation and knowledge of risk. Distinguishing between real and nominal values is essential for a stable standard of living over a lifetime. You don't want to do what I used to say is have everything nice and safe, but the expenses are going up higher and higher and you are going broke safely.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that would serve no one any, (laughs) not well.
1: Yeah, you can't live, you know, your money is safe, but you can't buy as much uh, vacation as you. in other
2: examples, you'll say, well, great, the house is paid for, but you can't afford to put food in the cupboards. Exactly. Right. Linda, what's another concept that we need to know? Finally, knowledge of
3: risk and risk diversification is at the basis of portfolio investment choices. And the old adage, do not put all of your eggs in one basket is indeed good advice. And speaking of vacations, Carolina Beach wasn't that fun. Oh I
1: li- I li- <laughs> That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. We took our grandkids down to Carolina Beach and went to
3: Kate's pancakes and we enjoyed those donuts, those famous donuts, oh my goodness.
2: You know, I love being from North Carolina, and I love our beaches, and I've gone to a lot of beaches, so have you, Doug and Linda. Well, it's a and lot. it's easy to be a beach snob, is it not? <laughs> We've got some nice beaches. It was
1: interesting how many times we'd run into somebody at the beach that knew our show, listened to <laughs> us, and so forth.
3: Oh, that's great. The boardwalk is beautiful. That new boardwalk
2: and those new porch swings. Awesome. Yeah, I've heard all about it. It hasn't, um, I haven't been down there th- this summer to that particular beach. So that's on my short list of the last few weekends before the summer's over. I want to go walk that boardwalk that you guys went to go see. Call us at Lewis Financial Management. We'll set up an appointment with you.
3: 32 years of excellence in financial planning, 919 That's 919-USA-7000. And I do believe we have a caller.
1: John, this is Doug Lewis. with Money Matters. How can I help you this evening?
7: Yes, I have a question. My wife's uh, mother has died, and uh, she had left a couple small insurance policies uh, that will come to my wife. And I was wondering if do I have a tax responsibility for that inheritance?
1: Well, what your? Well, you mean does your wife? Well, your wife is the beneficiary in the policies? Wife,
7: yes. My father-in-law died, father-in-law died about seven years ago and left everything to my wife. And his, his wife went into a nursing home and has been in the home since. And uh, she died about a month ago and had a couple of very small policies, but I wasn't sure what my tax responsibility was when we received the money from the policies.
1: Let's back up just for a second. I'm, okay. not, cl- I'm not clear on, on how your father-in-law got in the picture. Uh, yeah, he
7: he died and left all of his money to my wife.
1: He died and left everything to your wife. Right. And that was when?
7: Seven years ago.
1: Seven years ago. So that's not part of the picture now.
7: No, but but since then the mother my mother in law's been in a home and for the last seven years and died a month ago and had a couple small insurance policies like a thousand dollars, two one thousand dollar policies. And I wasn't sure if we received the $2,000, do we have a tax responsibility on receiving that inheritance on that
1: policy? No, you don't. Insurance, no, insurance proceeds are not taxable. They are not taxable. No, not the proceeds. What is taxable is the amount of the proceeds in the estate tax computation of the dying one. They are part of the estate tax computation. But
7: we paid all the estate taxes earlier. But I'm not sure that was part of the estate
1: tax. Now, wait a second. You paid the estate taxes... Of my
7: father-in-law.
1: Yeah, but your father-in-law is not the one that died. Your mother-in-law died. Yeah,
7: she has no estate.
1: Well, she had the... Whatever the value of those... Whatever she owned at her death is her estate. Okay. And so she and, and, and if she owned those insurance policies... Right. Then, then, that, then that's part of her estate. Right.
7: So I do have a tax responsibility for
1: those. You don't have a tax responsibility at all. The question is, does she does her estate. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Her estate files an estate tax return. The beneficiary who receives insurance proceeds does not pay taxes on insurance benefits that they receive from someone's life insurance policy, but when that person who died, when their estate, their executor files the estate tax return, they must include in that estate value. The, the total value of all insurance policies that they owned I got at the time of their death.
3: And if you need any more information, you can call us at the office in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. 872-7000.
1: Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you for calling, you. John. Bye All right, bye-bye now. You know, I think this is probably one of the greatest er- uh, areas of ignorance that is out there, people don't realize the whole matter of taxation and insurance. Now, it is absolutely true, and people don't know this, when you receive an inheritance or when you receive an insurance payout, there is no tax. You don't pay any tax at all on what you receive. And that's very good news. But what so many people don't realize is that if I buy an insurance policy and I bought it so my it will help my kids with the estate taxes when I die, for example, and I'm making those payments diligently, and then if I and my wife die, I have created the very problem that I wanted to avoid. Because if I am making the payments on that policy, then the value, let's say it's a $5 million policy, the value of that policy is in my estate. My estate. So it's causing the tax. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. causing the tax. So let's say I had, and yes, you might say, well, today things are so high. It's over $5 million. You can leave tax free. So let's say my estate is only worth $4 million and I buy a $5 million estate tax or insurance it's, policy to help my kids pay the estate taxes.
2: You've just put your estate up at $9 million now.
1: Yeah. So I did the worst thing I could do. What you have to do, which, of course, we would always do, is make sure that the policy ownership Mm -hmm. is not in my name, not in my wife's name. It can be in anyone's name other than myself or my wife, because if it's in mine or my wife's name, it's part of our estate. So we set up very often a trust, uh, an islet, they call it, Irrevocable Life Insurance Trust. Or we put it in the name of one of the children. Let them be the owner. Now the beneficiary is different, but the owner has to be someone other than myself and my wife. Or it creates estate taxes, even though I might have wanted that insurance to be used to pay the taxes. Uh, this is a very big issue, and I'm really glad I, you know, that John brought that question to the public because I, I, I would say. One of these days, I'm going to make a list of all the questions. I think I figured last year that we had had over ten. I think it was over ten thousand appointments in the last thirty-two years. I and think every, it was
2: thirty thousand. Was it? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Well, every one of those began, began their meeting because Linda always had them say, "Bring in a list of your questions that you have." And I think I'm going to try and assemble those questions because I've got them all back in my files and everything. And so many of those questions were just about this very issue of insurance insurance
3: needs an insurance needs analysis is important in the grand scheme of financial planning
2: you know just like a state documents that's a question that always has to be revisited do i own enough do i own the right policy because my needs may have changed
1: now there is something else i want to remind us and our listeners to never do and that's Never go to a free dinner invitation. I'm going to read you something. I'm going to read you something I got. Okay. Oh, I got Lord. An invitation. Yeah, I know you did. I've got it here in front of me. It says, a special invitation for Linda. You are a guest. You and a guest are invited to join so-and-so at the Mia Francesca Trattoria restaurant Join us for a financial seminar and a complimentary dinner to learn what required minimum distributions are, how they may affect your retirement strategy, and so forth. And it goes on and on and on. It sounds wonderful, but, you know, if you look at the very tiny, tiny, tiny print at the very, very bottom, which I did, you find out that, oh, this is someone who's selling insurance products, namely annuities, it's a free seminar, a free dinner, and so often the, the, the public has been advised, don't go. When you're invited to a free dinner, there's no such thing as free.
2: Right. I mean, in, instead of it advertising that it's an, an information session about required minimum distributions, which is a tax requirement, an IRS guideline, it should be, hey, come have a free seminar on insurance products. That'd be just so much more above board that's instead right. it comes across as it's going to educate you on what you need to know about required minimum distributions
1: and of course what it is it's a sales pitch to come we'll treat you to dinner while we're trying to sell you annuities don't go when you get invited to a free dinner just remember <laughs> the old saying there's no free lunch that's there's, right there's that's no right. free lunch that's right. out there
2: so if uh, all of this conversation has sparked any questions inside of you, anything that you have this week that comes to mind, give us a call. Ask us these questions. Um, we are here. This is what here. we do.
1: We are the Lewises. We're the Lewis family. And we're here because we know that your money matters to you because your financial future is at stake. We can help you. Call us at the office, 919-872-7000. Call us this week and go to our website, DougAndLinda.com That's DougAndLinda.com
0: been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com and listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.